Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. We all ask questions. Why is the sky blue? What happened to all the dinosaurs? What was the best thing before sliced bread? But some questions are more important than others. How do I forgive someone even when I feel like I can't? What's my purpose in life? How can I be the parent God wants me to be and the one my kids need me to be? So where do we turn? To the one that has all the answers. We'll tackle some of life's most complex issues and discover God's best plan. Why? Because you asked for it. Well, good morning, Simple Church. Guys, awake, excited. I am excited, excited. It's a beautiful Sunday morning. And not just because I'm here with you at Simple Church. It's because today is the day before the first Buckeye game tomorrow. I.O. There it is. Yes. Those of you that are not fans, I pity you and uh, welcome you with outstretched arms because there's a a day of reckoning coming for you and for all those who oppose us. Amen. All right. So anyway, welcome to Simple Church. My name's Aaron. I'm the lead pastor here. And uh, you guys have joined us on a great Sunday morning because we're actually beginning a brand new series here at Simple Church. And I'll jump into that in just a moment. But September is an incredibly busy month for us here at Simple Church. There is so much going on that uh, even in our announcements this morning, we, we announced the grow groups. There's so much going on that I'm going to briefly tell you about some other things that you can get on the app and look at it and see the events. But I'm going to tell you about it tonight at 6 o'clock. There's prayer. Uh, this, this, uh, directly after service is the band pre-audition meeting uh, that Kelly is hosting over here. Next, nope, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mess up the date. Kelly, where is Kelly? The 18th is a worship night. Is that correct? 18th is a worship night at 7 p.m. That's good. I'm getting thumbs up. You'll want to check that out. Again, that's, that's a wonderful time we gather together. We're gathering with a bunch of other churches here to worship together, and uh, that's just an incredible night of prayer and praise and worship. If you've never experienced one of those, you need to join us. It'll be a great time. But next Sunday is the one that I'm most excited about. It's our annual Simple Church Picnic. That, what does that mean for you? Well, that means free food, games, prizes. We are having a pie baking contest, not an eating contest. So if you are a baker of pies, you want to bring a pie and submit it into the contest. There will be prizes for that. We'll have a cornhole tournament. We're talking about a euchre tournament as well for all those of you that enjoy playing cards and, uh, and just having a great time of fellowship. That'll be 1 o'clock next Sunday uh, after second service, of course. So please plan to join us. Um, you, we'll bring the meat and the buns. We ask you to bring a side dish and anything you want to enter into the, uh, the pie contest. And but we're not talking like pizza pie. We're talking like pumpkin pie and apple pie and cherry pie and all the pies. That's what we like is that right there. But if you do bring pizza, I may eat it all. So anyway, so, those, so there's, there's a couple things I just wanted to toss out to you. Please, please, please check out the information on the app under the events tab that is there for you. Now, as I said before, we, last week we wrapped up our Heroes series. And, uh, and this week we are launching a brand new series called You Asked For It. And the title suggests exactly what it is. I decided, I said, you know what, let me, let me just ask the people, because I'm aware that in this room, everybody's at a different place in their spiritual journey. We have longtime believers, we have brand new believers, and then we have people that are here, they're not even sure how they got here, they thought this was a coffee house, you know what I'm saying? And so they're like, ah, I got tricked. Somebody said, come get coffee, and then they walked me in here, and there's church. So welcome. To all of you, we say welcome. No matter where you're at on your spiritual journey, we, we're thankful to have you here. And and realizing that there's everybody on these different places, we decided to ask the question, you know, what could I share? What could I teach that would help move you forward in your spiritual journey? And so I opened it up for, for some voting, and you ask a bunch of questions. And so as a church, as your pastor, we settled in on six different topics that we feel that I feel like answered the majority of those questions. And no matter how the questions were answered or, or, or given... Uh, they, they all landed here. So over the next few weeks, we're going to be wrestling with what you said, hey, I need to hear about this so that I can move forward. The first thing uh, we'll look at here in the next couple of weeks is how to have faith. We'll look at how do I forgive. This was the number one requested topic was forgiveness. 
how do I seek forgiveness? How do I give forgiveness? And so we're going we're gonna to look at that. How do I parent? That was a big question. What do I do with my crazy kids? And how do I do this in a God-honoring way? And so we'll talk about that. How do I pray? And actually, I'm very jealous of you all because I'll be in El Salvador on our missions trip. And uh, one of my pastors will be here to teach you about how do you pray. His name's Gary Fowler, and he will be here. Uh, and I get to listen to the podcast in El Salvador. I'm looking forward to that. But uh, I'm very jealous of you that he will be here and I will not. Then we'll look at uh, how do I overcome negative emotions. So these are the subjects we're going to look at. And today we're going to actually look at a subject, the actual answer to a bunch of your questions. There was the questions that you asked were, how do I live right? How do I share my faith? How do I make good decisions? And how do I fulfill my purpose? This was repeated over and over again in the questions you submitted. And the answer to all of that is the Holy Spirit. And so today, we're just going to hang out and discuss the Holy Spirit. Now, if you're like me, you, grow up, you grew up in a very charismatic church, and you understand that the Holy Spirit means something that you're probably not very comfortable with. Your experience, good or bad, may have taught you a lot of things like it did me that I'm very thankful for, but because of my experience, it made me question a lot of things that I couldn't reconcile biblically about what I was seeing or what they were calling the Holy Spirit. And it made me a little uncomfortable, and truth, truth be told, I, I kind of shunned away from a relationship with the Holy Spirit. I kind of pushed that, that whole aspect of Christian living aside and said, well, that's, that's kind of spooky. That, that kinda, that, that's not for me. Jesus, we're good. But this whole Holy Spirit thing is kind of, you know, I mean, it's in my Bible and I read it, but I gloss over it because it wasn't for me. And, and I did that for too many years, and I think that's a very common experience for, for a lot of Americans, especially if you've been in a, a service that you experienced something you couldn't, you couldn't understand or it wasn't necessarily based in Scripture, that you came to the conclusion that Holy Spirit's not for me. Jesus, yay, saved my soul, I'm going to heaven, that's good. But Holy Spirit is, is we push it aside. But here's what I'm going to ask. Today I'm going to challenge you to approach this subject of the Holy Spirit with a blank slate. Give me a blank page. Let's dive into the scriptures. Let's look and see what our relationship with him is actually supposed to be like. And let's begin this conversation again. Let's look at it with fresh eyes because I think what's going to happen, I think, is if you, if you see how the Bible tells us that we are to engage in a relationship with the Holy Spirit, that you'll find it beneficial. You'll find it something that will help you in your day-to-day life because that, I believe that's what he's given to us for. So, so I think we, we're going to look into this today and uh, we're going to find out how we have an active relationship with the Holy Spirit. First, we're going to be in John 14, and that's where we're going to start today. But if you need a Bible, we believe that God's Word will transform your life. And if you need a Bible, just put your hand up in the air and keep it up. One of my service hosts will give you a Bible. You can also get the Bible. It's in one of our apps or any kind of app that you prefer to have. But the verses will also be up on the screen. And so John 14, 16 says this. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. And again, when we see Jesus talking to his disciples, we can understand that he's talking to me, right? He's talking to me. He's, you're a disciple. It says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. Now, here's the scene. Jesus is getting ready to go back to heaven, and he's talking to his disciples who are probably a little nervous about the commission that he has given them and the work that he is leaving them to do. They're probably nervous about the absence of Jesus in general. In fact, I know that if I had the experience of walking day to day with him for three years, I would be a little nervous at his departure as well. But he's speaking to them saying, hey, listen, I've got to go because if I don't go, then God's not going to give you the, the, God the Father is not going to give you the Holy Spirit. He's not going to fill you and baptize you with the Holy Spirit so that you can do these things that I'm telling you to do. I've got to go. I have to depart because he's going to help you to continue doing my work. And he uses this word advocate here. An advocate means somebody to come alongside you. And that's essentially the role of the Holy Spirit. He is to come alongside you and help you do what God has called you to do, help you to live your life. Now, around here at Simple Church, we believe in something called the Trinity, okay? So if you're not familiar with who the Holy Spirit is, you're like, Aaron, is this another God that we're talking about? Now I have to worship three. No, no, no. This is, this is one God that expresses himself in three different ways. The one you're most familiar with, and when I pray, I pray to the Father. I say, Father, and, and then I pray. I'm praying to God the Father. And then the other one we're familiar with is God the Son. This is Jesus, his son, right, who, who came to earth and, and lived his life here, died on the cross, and paid the penalty for us. This is Jesus. And then there's God the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is God's power at work on this earth. It is the gift that he gave us. It was the gift that could only be given after Jesus paid the penalty for our sins. And so the Holy Spirit was given to us to have a daily relationship. And he's the one who will empower us to live our lives. 
Now, one of the things that I believe has made Simple Church successful and enabled a lot of people, no matter what your background is, whether you're Catholic, Baptist, or Bapticostal, where you were Baptist and maybe Pentecostal, or whatever, <laughs> whatever your, your background is, I believe that this is what it has, has allowed us to all worship together here at Simple Church, because there's people from all different kinds of backgrounds here. And that thing is that the main thing has been kept the main thing. And the main thing is Jesus. Everything we do here is all about Jesus. In fact, when you go to our website and you click on what we believe, there's a tab that says Jesus because we want to put that out there first. That's what we believe is the most important thing. It was, it's all about his mission in life to seek and save the lost. That's why we're here. We keep the main thing. And, th- and this focus allows us all to come together no matter, no matter what your background is. So the most important thing is for people to come into a relationship with Jesus, but what happens is for a lot of people is they think they get to the other side of the cross, they're like, all right, Jesus has saved my soul, and they don't know what to do from there. They don't know how to begin to live their lives, they don't know how they should be walking out this Christian life. They grab their Bible and they begin to read it, and they quickly get bored because they don't understand, or they grab the Bible and like every other book, they begin right at the beginning. Look, let me tell you something. If you are a brand new Christian, read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, okay? Don't start in Genesis. You can get to Genesis, that's cool, but just trust me. You want to start there, you want to read about Jesus. That's about the middle of the book and the beginning of the New Testament, all right? That was free. That wasn't even in my notes. That was just for you. <laughs> but, but what happens is we become brand new Christians and we get bored. We, we get caught up into dry religion and the tradition of maybe going to church on Sunday. Maybe we read our Bibles through the week to soothe our consciences. But that's it. We don't, it doesn't change us. It doesn't impact us. It doesn't move us to do anything. But let me say, if, that's, if that is the case for you, I think the thing that you're missing is an active relationship with the Holy Spirit because he makes all those things come alive. He begins to teach you how to live your life. He cares about every aspect of it. And he's here to impact you when we allow him to have that proper role. And so, yes, what we do with Jesus determines our eternity. But what we do until that eternity is determined by what we do with the Holy Spirit. I'll say it again. What we do with Jesus determines our final, our, our final eternity, or, or where we spend eternity. What we do with the Holy Spirit determines what we do from now until then, here on this earth. It changes the way that we live our lives, and we need to be open to that. So my hope in sharing this whole Holy Spirit and the relationship and what he will do in your life and how he can impact you, my hope in sharing all this is that you would develop a hunger and a passion in your heart for a relationship with the Holy Spirit, that you would personally pursue it. Past this Sunday morning, past shooting your hand up and saying, yes, Aaron, I want to follow Jesus, that you would personally pursue a relationship with him. That's my hope for you today. And so before we jump into to the content, let, let's pray real quick. Lord, I, I thank you for the opportunity to freely stand here and proclaim your word. Thank you that we're able to gather together, Lord, that we have the freedom to do that. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would be among us today, that you would speak to our hearts, that you would open our hearts so we can receive what you have for us, that we can be impacted and changed together. And Lord, I pray for all of the Virginia Tech fans that will be crying tomorrow night, that you would comfort them. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. O-H, amen. Amen. Welcome to Simple Church. So today, if you're taking notes, we want to jump right into it. The very first thing that the Holy Spirit does in our life is that he helps me live right. The Holy Spirit helps you live right. That's one of his primary roles. In John 16, 8, it says, When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. Now, when we hear these words, sometimes we get confused with the word conviction and condemnation. See, condemnation is what I can put on you. I can say, hey, that's not right. You ought not be doing that. Or I can put that on you. And condemnation makes you feel, you'll know it's condemnation because it makes you feel unworthy. It makes you feel like God can never use you and God can never love you. It makes you feel about this big. See, that's condemnation. But that's not the work of the Holy Spirit. What the Holy Spirit does is something called conviction. It's a gentle prodding. It's something he speaks quietly to you about. It can be anything, any number of things. It can be an attitude. It can be something you're listening to, a place that you go. It can be any number of things, but he will gently prod you and say, hey, this is... This is not good for you. That's called conviction. 
or maybe you ought to be doing this, or maybe what you said was a little too harsh, or maybe the way that you're treating your spouse or your children or your employer or ought not be that way. It's a gentle prodding. It's a leading that comes, that he gives you, and it's, it's very, very gentle, and it awakens sin in your life. That's what conviction is, and the Holy Spirit does it. He helps you live right. He'll put, he'll put his finger on things sometimes you don't even realize are sin. Like a TV show. You'll just be watching a TV show and an images or a scene comes up and you're just like, oof, what is that? Why do I have this pit in my stomach right now? Why do I feel like I ought not be watching that? Well, I believe that, that oftentimes that's the Holy Spirit letting you know, this is probably not the best thing for you. It's, it's probably the, not the best thing for you. And I think that, that he reveals that to you as you live out your Christian life through a process. This is the big biblical word. Here it is called sanctification. Sanctification is a big word that just simply means that you and I get better and better at living this Christian life. It means that we go through a process where the Holy Spirit begins to put his hand on things and say, hey, this is how you need to be living. And you respond out of willful obedience to that. And you begin to live your life different. And I promise that every time you do, your life gets better and better. That's what sanctification is. It is a process because a lot of us, see, when we gave our hearts to Christ, we came and we said, Jesus, I'm going to yield to you. I'm going to submit to you. Whatever that moment looked like for you, you knew there were things in your life that you ought not be doing. You knew there were places you were going, things that you were ingesting in your body or shooting in your body or whatever it was. You knew there were things you should not be doing. And so when you came to Christ, you immediately surrendered those things. But there are some things that cling to you. Things like addiction, things like past hurts and emotional baggage, things that cling to you that cause you to behave in ways that are contrary to what God's best is for you. Sin. There are ways that we, that we hold on to. And the sanctification process is necessary because although Jesus makes all things new when you come to him, there are these things that cling to you that have to be broken off. And the Holy Spirit does that through the process of sanctification. I remember when I gave my heart to Christ, many of you know my testimony is I was addicted heavily to pornography, part of my story. I'm not ashamed of it. It's just what it is. And when I came to Christ, I didn't immediately surrender all of that. I didn't immediately give that up. I knew it was wrong, and I would fight it, but I was losing that battle. And it wasn't until I surrendered to the Holy Spirit and said, all right, how do I, how do, I do this? How do I get free from this thing that I, that I found freedom? It was a process. It was daily obedience to little things, to little guardrails that he would teach me and put up in my life. And I found freedom from that. A lot of you can identify with that. You understand that. In fact, Paul in the Bible talked about his struggle with the very same thing. Not necessarily pornography. We don't even know what it was. But he said, the things that I want to do, those are the things that I don't do. The things that I do want to do, or the things I don't want to do, I do. There's a lot of do's and don'ts in there. Whatever he wanted to do, he did the opposite, okay? Anybody familiar with the struggle? You can identify with that. In your relationship with God, you're like, man, there's just things if I could just quit doing this, I would feel that way. Paul identified it. It's, it's a cycle that we need to get free of. But I believe that if you begin to obey the voice of the Holy Spirit, that you will find freedom step by step as you go through the sanctification process. That's, that's what he's here for. And I believe that this is a very personal process that you need to enter into. And I would challenge you to respond when he speaks. Because here's the deal. I can stand up here and tell you about what he's put his hand on in my life. I can tell you about TV shows that I don't watch because he said, hey, you ought not. I can tell you about songs that I say don't listen, or that he says don't listen to, or types of music, or whatever it is. Like, for instance, Nickelback. You ought not ever listen to Nickelback. And you ought to go to Chipotle. Those are Holy Spirit things, I promise you. I promise you. <laughs> I'm kidding, except about Chipotle and Nickelback. Everything else is true. But I don't stand up here and tell you what you ought not be doing because then I would be putting on you my relationship with the Holy Spirit. And you bypass your personal relationship with him. You bypass that opportunity to grow with him because you're just going to live out my relationship. Well, that's dry. That's stale. There's no life to that. Now you're just doing things. You're not responding to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And I would never want to rob you of that. So I don't stand up here and do it. I don't want to give you religion. I want to lead you to the Holy Spirit so that you would begin to engage in that relationship. I'm telling you, it'll change your life. There was one night I was, I was with my wife and, and we were going to sleep 
And I had my back turned to her, and I, had, I pray regularly, Lord, reveal in me like, the cracks. You know, where, where, are we, where am I broken? Where, where are my relationships broken? I, I pray that you would just reveal in me. And he spoke to me in this moment. I was just getting ready to go to sleep. It was one of those still quiet moments. You know, the only thing you can hear is the box fan running in my room. You know what I'm saying? It's great. And he spoke to my heart and said, you know, there's something you did, and it was two years prior. Something you did that hurt your wife. I said, no, that's stupid. And the more I began to think on it, the more I was like, ah, oh, I bet that did hurt her. That, that was really wrong with me. I shouldn't have done that. And I turned over to her and I said, babe, you awake? And she's like, yeah. And I was like, you know, I did this thing two years ago. And you're like, what was it, Aaron? Worry about yourself, okay? <laughs> she said, I said, I did this thing. And I feel, like, I feel like I might have hurt your feelings unintentionally. I didn't realize I was being so hurtful when I did that. And man, you'd have thought I like punched her in the nose or something because she just started gushing and she was bawling, full on bawling in bed. I was like, oh, this is not the response I was looking for. You know. But, but God was doing a work. When we respond to those gentle leadings of the Holy Spirit in our life, he'll help us, he'll help us live right. I learned, there wasn't a continual behavior, it was just something I had done over a short period of time that had led her to some brokenness. And she shared that with me after I apologized, and we cried together, and just, and, and now it's a funny story, whenever I do something wrong, I'm like, I'm not going to find out two years later, am I, that this was like a bad thing? And, you know, we, we get to laugh about that, but God has, God has restored us. You have to be obedient to the leading of the Holy Spirit. It's what He'll do. It's amazing to me how He leads us through this process. How he speaks to our hearts and when we respond, what he'll do through that. Romans 8, 9 says, You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. From the moment you confess through faith that Jesus is Lord, you say, how do I know if I'm, if I'm filled with the Spirit? Well, if you can confess that Jesus is Lord, our Bible tells you that you don't have the ability to do that without the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. You are filled the moment that you confess Christ. As Lord, He gives you the gift of the Spirit. And then you can become controlled and directed. You see, like possessed Aaron? Not really. He's not going to force you. The Holy Spirit's a gentleman. He leads you. He prods. And when you respond to that direction, that's when your life becomes fuller. And so some of you, you push back on this. You say, Aaron, you know, I, all right, I've confessed Jesus as Lord. You're telling me the Holy Spirit is living in my life and that He is here to help guide me, but you don't understand what I do. You don't understand my addiction. You don't understand the cycle. I, there's things like Paul that I don't want to do that I do, and there's things that I do not want to do that I don't do. I don't know. I got confused. In that. You understand what I'm saying. I do the opposite of what's supposed to happen. You say, Aaron, that's me. I don't want to do these things anymore. I don't want to go there anymore. Well, let me, let me tell you something. Paul, Paul, when he shared that, wrestling that issue, a few verses later, he shares in Corinthians, he says, now the Lord is the Spirit, because he doesn't just give you the tension without giving you the answer. He says, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You're not the only one to struggle with these kind of issues, with this desire to do opposite of what you do. Paul said the solution is the Spirit. If you will engage in where he is leading you and how he is leading you, you will find freedom how I found freedom in my addiction. You can find freedom from those things. You don't need to struggle. So the Holy Spirit, he helps us live for Jesus, but he also gives us boldness. Boldness for what? To tell people how, what I'm thinking? No. <laughs> that, that's not why he gives you boldness. He gives you boldness to tell others about Jesus. It's true. That, that's his role. He helps you tell people about Jesus. Acts 1.8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. See, he says, you're going to receive power, and you go, that's awesome. Power is great. I would love to have phenomenal cosmic power, right? I would love that. That's, that sounds incredible. But it's, it's not power so that you can gain wealth. It's not power so that you can have a nice car or have influence, mind control over people. It's not to make you famous, it's power to make Jesus famous. That's what the verse continues on and says. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. 
That's Jesus talking here to his disciples. That's you and me. Saying, I'll give you power. And that power resides in the Holy Spirit. Once he fills you, he gives you the boldness to speak out. I don't want you to miss this because the power of the Holy Spirit has the ability to change your life, to transform your life, to make you what we call around here the shiny. You need to be the shiny. That's a wonderful thing. People look at your life and they say, man, look at the quality of their life. And, and I don't mean how much money they have. I mean, look at the crap they're going through and they're unmoved. They're unfazed. Their anchor is in Christ. I want that kind of peace. I want to know Jesus. People are drawn in when, when our lives are transformed and we become the shiny. But it's more than that because it's more about our boldness to speak and to share our faith with others. That's what the Holy Spirit gives you. I get asked this all the time that, that uh, about our church. They say, is your church a spirit-filled church? That's what they ask me. But the, the question they're asking is not the question that I'm hearing, right? I know the question they're asking me. They're, they're asking the question of, well, are the gifts of the Spirit, because the Bible describes the gifts of the Spirit, are the gifts of the Spirit on display at your church? Like, is that your focus? Is that what you celebrate when you get together? And, and the answer is no, we don't. That's not, that's not what we get together. We get together to celebrate Jesus. That's why we get together. We get, to make, we get together to make Jesus the focus of our gatherings, and of course we invite the Holy Spirit to work among us. To be honest with you, the only test as to whether or not a church is Spirit-filled is whether or not people are getting saved. Whether or not people are coming to Christ and they're giving their life to Jesus. Because that's the power of the Holy Spirit at work. Look at the day of Pentecost, the day the Holy Spirit fell. For the first time on men and filled them, the disciples. What did they do? Did they have a really deep understanding of the Greek text? Did they all, did they all immediately understand all the theology of God and all of that? No, that's not what happened. Did they have a crazy worship service where people were waving flags and going nuts? Like, no, that's not what they did. They didn't have a deeper worship experience. What they did was they went outside their doors and 3,000 people gave their hearts to Jesus that day. 3,000. The Holy Spirit is given to us to speak boldly and to share our faith with others. So if you want to know if the Holy Spirit is at work in a church, you just need to ask the question, how many people are getting saved there? Well, I'm happy to tell you that here at Simple Church, in the last two years since we've been open, we've seen 217 people say yes to Jesus. Isn't that incredible? That's okay. You can applaud for that. I saw some of you go like this. Is this the moment? Do I do it now? Look, that's incredible. That's the, whole, the Spirit of God at work in our church, and I pray that he continues to do that. I pray that he continues to impact people's lives in that way and lead people to Jesus through our obedience and our work here. You say, Aaron, how do I know that this is, this is the way? Well, perfect example. Look at Peter, one of the disciples. We know that, that the Holy Spirit gave him boldness because here's Peter. He's so loud and outspoken. He's one of the guys who's like, Jesus, I'm going to follow you to the ends of the earth. I will go with you everywhere in death. I'm your dude. I'm your rock. Jesus. What's up? Jesus, got the t-shirt, so excited about Jesus, little buttons. And then Jesus gets taken by the people, by the, by, the, uh, um, by the religious leaders. And where is Peter? He's turned into a big sissy. He's hiding and cussing at a little girl. This is Peter. He's scared. And we find him cursing and, and saying, I don't even know Jesus. I can't even, I don't, that's not my guy. I don't know who that guy is. That's not the bold Peter that was... So excited when Jesus was around. In his absence, he revealed his true nature. Peter was not very bold. Not about Jesus. But after the Holy Spirit fell on Peter, Peter is the one who stepped out and preached and led people to 3,000, the 3,000 people to Christ the day of Pentecost, the day the Holy Spirit was given. The difference, what changed for Peter? The Holy Spirit. It's the only thing that changed. He gives us boldness to speak. It's an incredible change that comes over us. That the Holy Spirit would give us this radical boldness to speak on his behalf, to, to tell others about Jesus. And I, honestly, I've got to believe that that's why the devil has worked overtime among our churches and our different experiences across, the, across every denomination to get us to stop talking about the Holy Spirit because we feel like it's weird and we feel like that's, it's spooky. I think he's worked overtime to get us to reject it because he knows that if we were to engage in a relationship, an active relationship with the Holy Spirit, that people would begin to give their lives to Christ. So he's fought us within. So he doesn't have to fight us without. 
I believe that we need to have spirit-filled, non-spooky services where the Holy Spirit can be involved, which is what we are here at Simple Church. What? what I say? Non-spooky? Yeah, non-spooky. I think it needs to be non-spooky. <laughs> That's what we are here because I believe that when you encounter God, that your life will transform. I do. I believe that. I believe that, that you will never be the same because of the work of the Holy Spirit. Check out what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2. He says, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. See, look, Paul's a really intelligent guy. He, was, he, was, he is the guy that when we talk about apologetics, which is defending our faith, understanding our faith, he's the guy who wrote the majority of the material that we use to defend our faith. This guy's a smart guy, right? You ever read Romans, you'll understand exactly what I'm talking about. It is like some heavy-duty stuff, okay? He can argue. He's intelligent. He says, I didn't come to you with a wise argument because you don't need another argument. You don't need another scripture. You don't need anything else. What you need is an encounter with the power of God. You need to encounter his spirit in your life because that's greater than any argument. You can't argue with a guy who's got an experience, right? doesn't matter what you have to say. If somebody has an experience, your argument is invalid. Period. So here's what he's saying. I don't, I don't have to preach persuasive words among you. I just want you to experience God's power and through the Holy Spirit. And so our goal here at Simple Church is the same. We have no intention of wowing you with our biblical knowledge. We don't, I don't talk on, about Greek text very often. I don't want you to walk away from here on Sunday morning going, man, I don't know what that guy was talking about, but it was deep, man. It was good. I go to a deep church. Like, that is not, not it. We want to keep it simple. We want to keep it practical. We want to keep it spirit-filled because I believe that's how your life will be transformed, amen? I believe that you can walk out of here different if we keep it that way. You don't need an argument or a better argument. You need an encounter with God. Now, that doesn't mean I don't support apologetics. I clearly do. I think what Chris is going to teach you in, in the apologetics group is, is fantastic. You need to understand how to defend your faith, as he said. But an encounter with God is necessary, an encounter with his spirit. Paul believed that that encounter would result in signs and miracles in your life and wonders. Why is that important? Well, let me ask you something. If you laid hands on somebody because the Holy Spirit told you to pray for somebody that was blind or had been lame for 20 years, and they all of a sudden started to see or could all of a sudden walk, what do you, what do you think would happen? They'd be like, oh, yeah, that's great. Thanks, guys. I'm going home. It's good to see you. I, literally good to see you. I, I think that the response to a sign or a miracle like that in their life, oh my gosh, I can see. You did this in Jesus' name? Tell me more about Jesus. I think they would give their lives to Jesus. And Paul said the encounter with the Holy Spirit will produce these kind of encounters in your life. So not only does the Holy Spirit give us boldness to tell people about Jesus, but he gives us gifts to give others works of power that blow people's minds. And so ultimately leading to changed lives. The next thing the Holy Spirit does is he helps, me, he helps me make good decisions. With the disciples, we look at them and Jesus is gone, and they were the 12, but Judas betrayed Jesus. Now he's upset that he betrayed Jesus, and he's gone, and he's, he's hung himself. He's ended his own life. And so now the 12-chain gang is 11-chain gang, and they're not happy about that because they've all got matching T-shirts and wristbands and hats. You know what I'm saying? They're like, we don't want to change our marketing campaign. That's way too expensive. We don't even like the 11-chain game name. We're going to stay 12. We need a 12 apostle. How do we decide who gets in? Well, they said, let's throw a dice. So they did what the Bible calls cast lots. They cast lots, and it was the luck of the draw for the 12th disciple. And he was in. Now... They did that at that point, and that's how they carried on in their lives until they received the Holy Spirit. After the day of Pentecost, we never see in anywhere in Acts or any other recording of, of the life of the disciples where they cast lots to make a decision. They always said it seemed good to the Holy Spirit, or the Holy Spirit led us, or he told us to do this. They were being led, they were being guided towards the right decisions because the Holy Spirit helps them. And for us today, the Holy Spirit is here to do the same. He's leading us. He's speaking to us always. And one of the ways he does this, because I know you're going to ask, how do you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit? Well, through his word. You hear it through his word, John 14, 26. But the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things 
and remind you of everything I have said to you. See, he's a teacher. He'll show us what we need to know. He'll reveal it to us in his word how we need to live our lives, how we need to change our lives. There's two Greek words that I want to I point out to you. And I, after I said I wouldn't do that, I'm going to go ahead and do that. But the Greek words are the word for the word word. I know that's confusing, but we're talking about the word word. The Greek word for the word word is logos. What does that mean? That means words on a page. It's, it, when you read your Bible, a lot of people read it and it's just words on a page to them. They're not encountering anything different. They, great stories, great rules, great... It's all great, but nothing has impacted you. But there's another Greek word for the word word. Are you with me? And it is rhema. And the word rhema means revelation. It means when the words jump off the page at you, when you have this aha moment, this sudden realization of like, oh my gosh, that's what that means? That's for me. That's what's called a rhema word, and, and that's when you're reading your Bible and the Holy Spirit speaks to you about something. You have this aha moment. It's like, man, I never even saw that before. He'll take a verse. Uh, the shortest verse in the whole Bible is John eleven thirty five, 35, and it is simply Jesus wept. He can take a verse just like that that was just very informational and shake you to the core about who Jesus was because those words that jump off the page, I remember that I journaled several pages on that. And you're like, oh, tell me more about that. It's another sermon for another time. But I promise you, the Holy Spirit makes the word of God come alive to you through a rhema word. And I would say that if you're having a very dry experience as you read your Bible, what you need to do is do, is do as I do. Is, every, is whenever you crack that Bible open and you're going to read, humbly approach the word of God and say, Holy Spirit, I need you to teach me. Teach me today. Show me what I need to know. Teach me what I need to read because I don't know as I ought. I don't always understand this. I need to know what, what's here for me. And he'll do that. He'll make it come alive because I believe the Bible has every answer to every situation that you are facing that you have ever faced or that you ever will face that includes your finances your family your relationships your job everything they are all there and if you are not engaging in your relationship with the Holy Spirit for him to teach you you are missing out on the life that God wants for you to have Paul knew the importance of this, and this is why he prayed in Ephesians 1, 17. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. So I'm encouraging you to read your Bible. I don't care if it's a paper-printed Bible or if it's one on our app or any other app. Read your Bible. Pray before you read it. Ask him to lead you through it, and I promise you that you'll never, ever be the same not only will the Holy Spirit speak to you through God's word, but he'll also speak to you through impressing thoughts. He'll place an idea or a thought into your heart and your mind, and, and if you'll be obedient to that, you'll follow through. You'll find incredible results to that. I remember when I first read those verses about the leading of the Holy Spirit, I began to pray. I was a young man. I was 18, 19 years old, and I began to pray that, God, would you, would you begin to speak to me that way? Could I hear your voice? Because I don't know what that sounds like. And I got to the point where I began to pray, Lord, whatever it is you need me to say to whoever, let, let, begin there. Let's do something simple, please. Speak to me, because I really want to experience this. Because look, if you're living the Christian life and, you're, and it's boring for you, let me just tell you, you're doing it wrong. There is so much more for you. And it's that connection with the Holy Spirit. And so one day I'm at work, and, and he spoke to me. There was a girl that, that had come in. She was a temporary that day. She was pregnant, and she was an attractive young gal, and and God spoke to my heart. He said, I want you to go over and tell her that she's beautiful. And I said, no, no, I don't do that. I don't, I don't tell girls they're beautiful. I was young and awkward. And he said, not that you said she's beautiful, that, that I said she's beautiful. I want you to go tell her that I said she's beautiful. And I said, oh, I don't know about that. And I said, here's the deal. I'll make a deal with you. I'm getting ready to go to lunch. If I come back and she's still here, she was a temp. I'd never seen her before that day. I never saw her after that day. I said, if she's still here when I come back for lunch, I'll, I'll tell her. And came back for lunch, just kind of scooting around to see if I could get around where she was going to be and not have to see her. But I had to walk right past her to go to my desk, and there she was. And I put my head down, and I walked really fast to my desk, and I got to my seat, and it was just this, the impression wouldn't go away. It's like, you asked for this. Go tell her that I said she's beautiful. And so... I hung my head and I walked over to her and I said, listen, I don't mean to be weird or anything, but I, I just wanted to tell you that God told me to tell you that he loves you, or that, that you're beautiful, excuse me, that's what I said to her. And she started crying. She said, oh my God, did you hear me on the phone? And I said, no, 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 I didn't. 
She said, I was just on my lunch and I was telling my mother how ugly I feel because I'm pregnant. And I freaked out a little bit. <laughs> that would have been my moment to tell her about Jesus. And I was like, okay, bye-bye then. And I was done. I was, done. I was like, oh my God, he did it. He did it and I followed and oh dear Jesus, what just happened? But I, I don't even know who that girl is. I don't know where she is today. But I, I pray that that moment spurred something for her. I hope that God knew what he was doing. He knew how I'd respond. He didn't send me on a, on a, on a journey that would be fruitless. But I'm telling you that he'll, he'll put these impressions into your life. He speaks into these moments in your life if you'll just listen. If you'll ask, he'll speak. When you ask, be silent. There was a time I was, I was I, in my parenting. Believe it or not, I'm flawed. I actually have issues. And uh, I have a parenting issue. What is it? Worry about yourself, okay? And, and I have a parenting issue, and, and it was really driving a wedge between me and my kids. In my heart, I knew it wasn't right, and I'd ask God, would you take this from me? Would you help me? Would you, would you just take this from me, take this flaw from me, heal me? Whatever is broken about me, would you fix that? And it remained. And I said, all right, this is going to, and this is, you know, over time period of me asking multiple times. And it remained, and I, and I decided to pray different one day. I said, Lord, would you just give me wisdom to know how to handle this? And I sat there and listened quietly, and he spoke an idea into my heart that was just so weird to me because it would require obedience in a way that I was not comfortable with. That's kind of how you can know sometimes that it's God putting his finger on your heart and that he's going to lead because it's like, oh, I don't want to do that. And I'll do anything, just not that. I'm, I'm going to do, you know. But I talked with my wife and shared it with her, and then the idea was simply to invite the kids into the conversation. It involved repentance, confession, telling them I was sorry, telling them that I was sinning against them. All these are very uncomfortable things. And then inviting them into the conversation to deal with the issue. That was the Holy Spirit idea. And there's been healing that has come since then. I'm not perfect. The issue still exists. But there's been healing that has come in our relationship as a result of it. One word, one idea changed the trajectory of my life with my kids. Because we ask. When we ask, we need to listen. And we need to respond. We need to be obedient to whatever it is he's saying. Because you don't know what's on the other side of that obedience until you get there. You just don't know. But for us, it was healing, it was blessing. And I would encourage you that when God speaks directly to your heart, to respond, to begin to ask about the little things in your life, the things that you care about are the things that he cares about. Isaiah 30, 21 says, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walking in it, speaking, this is a prophecy of the time when the Holy Spirit would come. To the right or to the left means anywhere you can go, anything you can be concerned about, anything you can look at. He'll speak to you and lead you in the way that you ought to go. This tells us he cares about every detail. And I know that every time that I listen to that still small voice, that my life gets better and better. And yours will too if you'll just listen to it. The next thing the Holy Spirit does is he helps me fulfill my purpose. And this is, this is the last thing for today. God has a purpose and a plan for your life and you need to begin to believe that. Jesus had a purpose and he knew what his purpose was. He came here to die for our sins. He came here to be that sacrifice. And this is Jesus speaking, he says, regarding us, our purpose. He says, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. He's healing people, raising people from the dead. Jesus is doing incredible things. He says, if you just believe in me, the things that I'm doing, you'll do greater than those things because I'm going to the Father. Jesus was saying this because he was operating underneath the power of the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus didn't do the things that he did because he was the Son of God. The Bible says that when Jesus came to the earth, he emptied himself of divinity. He emptied himself of all of his power and his authority, and he became a man on this earth. And it was only through obedience and walking out the very same plan that God has for you and me that Jesus was able to tap into the power that he had. See, Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist, another step of obedience that I would tell you you need to follow as a Christian. But he was baptized by John the Baptist. And when he came up from the water, the, the Bible says the Holy Spirit descended upon him. It filled him in that moment. And Jesus left from that moment and began doing mighty things among the people. The power of God at work in him was the Holy Spirit. And he said, I'm leaving. I've paid this price. 
And now the Holy Spirit can dwell in you. And you'll do greater things than what I'm doing. We have a purpose. Now, I don't know if it means greater in like magnitude or just in impact or like, you know, Jesus raised X number of people from the dead and we're going to raise X number of people from the dead and that number is greater than his. I don't know. He just said greater. Whatever way that presents itself in your life, that's what God has given for you to do. And Jesus said, I've been anointed. After he was baptized and the Holy Spirit had descended on him, he goes back home and he goes to church. And he gets up to teach a little bit. He gets one of the scrolls and finds a prophecy prophecy that was spoken about him. And he says, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because there's a purpose. He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He says, I've been anointed to accomplish a purpose. And we are given the Holy Spirit to accomplish a purpose as well. I don't know what your purpose is. It's different for all of us. It's different for all of us. But all of the things that Jesus did were to make other people's lives better. There were gifts for other people. And that's our purpose as well. Paul encouraged the Ephesians to be full of the Spirit. He said, don't be drunk with wine. Be full of the Spirit instead. Isn't it interesting that the thing that we use to bring peace in our lives, the thing we use to find solace or to take the edge off is we seek it too often at the end of a bottle. We look for it there. Paul compared what we were doing to being full of the Spirit. He said, hey, look, you're seeking your your reprieve in a bottle of wine, and you ought to be looking for your strength and your, your help in the Holy Spirit. You need to be fully immersed in Him. What would it look like if we opened our hearts and lived this way, fully immersed in the Spirit? What do, you, what do you mean, Aaron? I fully immersed in a relationship with him. It wasn't just casual. It wasn't just Sunday morning. It was day by day, moment by moment. What would our lives look like? I think we'd see one of the greatest revivals that any generation has ever seen if we were a church that actively engaged in a relationship with the Holy Spirit. So if you're on the hook and you want to know, all right, Aaron, how do I do it? There's three things you do. You need to be desperate. You need to be desperate for God's way of doing things. Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. You need to be hungry for righteousness. Righteousness is what? God's way of doing things. You need to be hungry for that. We can't have a passive perspective of Christianity where Sunday morning and that hour that we do is is enough. We need to be filled. We need to be hungry for it every minute of our lives seeking God's will and his way for our lives. The second thing we need to do is have humility, wanting God's will more than our own. We need to say, Lord, your will be done like Jesus prayed. Let your will be done and not mine. Too oftentimes we pray for stuff that we want and we don't pray that, God, you do your way. You want to engage in a relationship with the Holy Spirit? Start praying, hey, do what you want in me. Do what you want in my relationships. Do what you want with my finances. Do do what you want. Have your way, not mine. The last thing we need to do is is to seek purity, wanting God's work in our lives. I think oftentimes the Holy Spirit puts his finger on something in our life, a relationship, something we're doing, an activity, a thought, attitude, something, and we go, nope, I'm good. And we effectively stifle his work in our lives. We don't move forward any, any, anymore past that point because that thing we won't respond to obediently. We won't give you anything else until you become obedient in that area. We have to want his work in our life, a purifying process, that sanctification. We have to want that. We have to desire that. If you want to actively engage in a relationship with the Holy Spirit. I'll tell you this, that if we do these things, our lives would be better. The lives of the people around us would be better. Jesus would be glorified. And we'd have a life that I think we could describe as adventuring with Christ. And I know I want that. Let's pray. In a moment, I'm going to pray for those of you that are Christ followers, for the Holy Spirit to fill your life. But first, there are people in this room who are not followers of Christ, and you need an opportunity today to say yes to Jesus. You need an opportunity to say, Aaron, I need to begin that relationship. Likely, right now, if your palms are sweaty or maybe your stomach is churning or You're even thinking about all the reasons why you can't say yes to Jesus. 
but the Holy Spirit, I believe the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart right now. But now is your moment to repent, turn away from your ways, to turn towards Jesus. And that if you'll do that, it'll change your life forever. Right now is your moment. If you want to seize that moment and change the trajectory of your entire life by beginning a relationship with Jesus today, if that's you and you say, Aaron, I don't know how to pray it, but if you'll count me in, you're going to give a prayer in a second. If you'll count me in on that prayer, I'll, I'll pray it along with you. I want that for myself. If that's you, would you put your hand in the air and say, count me in on that prayer. Just shoot your hand up high. Let me see you here. I'll give you the words to it. It goes simply like this. It says, Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe that you came, you died, and you rose from the dead to forgive me of my sins. Jesus, give me your Holy Spirit. Show me how to live for you. And I'll spend every day doing that, following you obediently, willfully. Transform me. Thank you, Jesus. And Lord, I lift up the rest of this congregation today. Lord, I pray that we would all be filled with the Holy Spirit. Lord, that we would hear his voice, that we would engage in his activity in our lives, that we would engage in it with boldness, that we would engage in it willfully and obediently when he leads and when he speaks. Open our ears to hear. May we know his voice, not just hear, but may we know it amidst all the noise and the things that we hear in our lives. God, may we hear your voice the voice of the Holy Spirit more, more dominantly than anything else. And when he speaks, may we follow obediently and quickly. May we see the life that you have intended for us produced in our own lives. God, give us this. This is an incredible gift and a, and a wonderful thing that we are asking for. God, do this work in us. Let's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. At this point in time, we always, we always close out our service with just a moment to reflect. How are you going to be different from today? What do you need to do in order to make sure that tomorrow doesn't look the same as your yesterday? Today, making a decision to actively engage in a, life, in a, in a lifestyle of, of being in a relationship with the Holy Spirit is an important decision. Whatever you decide, maybe God's been speaking to you about a certain thing throughout the entire service. And you say, you know what, I need to, I need to surrender this to Him today. Maybe write it down in your connection card. Drop it in the offering bucket. We'll pray, pray for you. We'll join you in that and believe that you'll see that change in your life. We believe that God actively wants to do a work in your life. So if you give us that opportunity to pray for you, we will. But decide right now, I'm going to be different. And this is how I'm going to be different. And we'll close the service.